It is an honor and a thrill uh, to be with you this morning. I want to let you know that we have been connected, even if you don't know that. Uh, my family personally has been connected to you through Nexus, our church planning partner for 13 years. Our church has been connected and partnering with you in planting churches for 15 years, almost since the, the beginning that, uh, that you guys jumped in. There are some things that were mentioned this morning about that, and I want to point a couple of things to you. Um, through the, your time in partnering and sharing in this mission with Nexus, you have participated in helping to plant 69, going on 70 churches in the United States. Really, really incredible. 15 years ago, the church that I met, Journey in Waco, uh, made the, the decision to join that movement. And we started tithing uh, to that. And so part of us, we have participated in somewhere around 60 of those uh, in some way. Uh, and then in 2011, we jumped in and we gave more money for a direct church plant. We actually sent five families from our church about 15 miles down the road and helped plant a church in a little uh, city called Lorena. Since then, we have directly helped plant now six uh, churches, five of which you guys have been direct partners with us in. So we are connected and uh, you are extended family. There's, when I think about GCR, I think about mission. I think about reaching people. And honestly, that connection with you, for me, goes back way beyond even Nexus. It goes back 20 years. So I'm 47 next week. And 20 years ago, I got involved in a youth ministry mission group called Youth Wave. Uh, somebody you may know, Ben Wall, uh, was leading that and, and partnering in that and became a really good friend of mine. That, those became my people. And what we did in Youth Wave, it was youth with a vision for evangelism. We just were teaching our students to relationally share their faith with their friends. To not see them as projects, but to see them as real people who had real need and to just love them authentically. And we were training, I'm gonna get wound up about it. We were training high school level ministry oriented students to just live on mission. Wherever they went. And Todd Brown, one of your own, was our keynote speaker every year. And he challenged and he shaped us. And so much of, so much of what we do at Journey comes from those initial roots. See, our mission at Journey is to walk with disconnected people, to move them into transforming community, and help them become 
like Jesus. That's what church planting is about, and that's what, how we are partnered. See, we're making disciples who make disciples that start churches that start churches. That's what we do, and I want to say thank you. This happens to me because of the faces that your yes to Jesus includes. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for your sacrifice. This morning, I want to invite you. I want to invite you all the way in. I want to invite you beyond just as a church to partner in this mission. I want to invite you personally in. But as we're doing this, and as we're making some introductions, let's, let's do a little bit of that. Do you, do you guys recognize these people? They are Aaron and Ben Napier. They are the hosts of what has become my family's favorite TV show on HGTV called Hometown. Their mission is to, one house at a time, transform this little town of Laurel, Mississippi. And it is amazing. Like, my 13-year-old, he loves sports. He's all boy. But he's like, hey, can we go watch HGTV? I'm like, really? And so we, we go upstairs, and as a family, we, we engage in this. And it's just so much fun. You may not know them. They're a little bit newer. But how about these guys? That got a little bit more. These are, these are, I kind of, these are my people, right? They're from Waco. Chip and JoJo is kind of what we call her. Uh, they love Jesus. And they have, not single-handedly, but they have played a significant role in transforming the city that I live in. 20 years ago, Waco didn't look like it looks now. Have you ever renovated a house? It takes a special gift to do that. It takes a special gift to walk into a, an area that is not what it should be and to see what it can become and to put the effort into actually producing that result. JoJo's got that gift. My wife make, doesn't like me to refer to her when I speak, but my wife has that gift. We've been married for 25 years and we have done five of those houses, four in Waco over the last 13 years. Here's my question. Do you have a vision for what your life is to be? Do we live in a vision for what can be together? I want to share that with you this morning. Because I believe that God has a vision for us in partnership with him in the kingdom. 
that changes people's lives forever. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in this vision that Paul lays out for the church in Corinth, I believe he's, he's taking us on a little journey. He's helping us to see a transformed perspective so that we can live in a transformed present, so that we can then join God on a transformed purpose. And for the sake of time, I could speak on this for three hours. I will not do that to you this morning. So for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of do an over, a flyby of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to encourage you to go home and read it. Transformed perspective to live in a transformed presence so that we will partner in a transformed purpose. Let's look at the transformed perspective for just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1 and 2, Paul says this, For we know that if, we, that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longingly to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Paul has given us a view, a picture of our future. He's trying to change our perspective of what's to come. And that view of our, of our future is letting us know that God is in the renovation business. Did you pick up the language that, that he uses? Like three different times he says something about this, this body that's gonna be different. He uses language of that we're getting a building from God. We're going to have an eternal house in heaven. We're actually going to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Like, isn't that good news? Like, this thing is going to be better. Whatever problems we're having with this right now, like, it's going to be better. I'm 47 years old, and I think COVID brought, like, like three times the amount of white in my, in my beard. And I am like, it hurts to sleep sometimes. What? I did not realize that my body had limitations or even worried about those things until my early 20s. I was an athlete. I played all the sports and... I went to college, I went to Harding University for one year to be a quarterback on the football team. I injured my arm. And so I transferred, because I couldn't throw anymore, I transferred to Abilene Christian to be a receiver on the football team. And I, I was playing out, I've never played that position before, but I'm 6'3", and I could run a little, and, and I found myself second on the depth chart. And I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. I get, to, I get to suit up for games. I might get in. And then I separated my shoulder. And I rehabbed, but it was awful. And, and if, if somebody touched me, it just, I just fell to the ground. And I was like, I'm just too fragile for this, this sport. At the time, I weighed like a buck 80. 
and uh, so I quit. The coach at ACU, the basketball coach, had seen me play basketball in high school. And he, so he approached me and he said, hey, Landon, could you, can you still shoot? And I was like, well, coach, like I can shoot a 10-foot jumper, but I'm not shooting the three that I used, used to shoot because my arm just won't do that right now. He goes, that's okay. I need you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we've got a JV team. And we got some guys that are hurt, and I need, I need some people to come out. And I was like, it sounds like fun. Like, it doesn't, like, it's not important. Nobody knows, but it sounds like fun. And so I got to play, and I got to start on the JV team completely out of position. I was a shooting guard in high school. I played the four position, which is a forward, against, like, guys that were 6'10". It was crazy. But we were a JV team playing against junior college teams. The entire year, we only played one other JV team. Now, I think you guys know how junior college works. Like some of these guys, they can play. They're not there because they can't play. And we were competitive. We won one game that year against the other JV, JV team that we played, but we were competitive against the junior college teams. And I was looking at this, I was looking at this uh, varsity team. I was like, I can do this. I can get there. And we got invited to an invitational tournament at Odessa Junior College. At the time, this was 1994, five years after Larry Johnson was playing for them. At the time, I believe they were the number four junior college in the nation. And since it was their invitational, guess who they picked to play first? Our GA, who was our coach, came in at halftime, took off his hat and threw it across the room and said, I don't know what to say to a team that's losing by 50 at halftime. So we go out in the third quarter, and one of our shooting guards shoots a three, misses. It comes off long, and I, I just turn and sprint to the back to play defense and get to the goal and turn around, and there's a belly button in my face, and he's slamming over the top of me. It's the only time in my life I ever got slammed on. And instantly, my entire future passed in front of my eyes and had nothing to do with basketball. Like, we're, we're limited here. Paul says, God's in the renovation business. There's something better coming. And that perspective, this gift, he actually doubles down and says, the spirit of God is your guarantee that it's coming. And that perspective ought to change our present. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, he says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. Because his gifts are so good and the future is going to be so, like, we, we're intent right now to, yes, sir, right? 
We want to honor and please him. It changes how we view things. Another verse, verse 17 in this chapter says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And here's part of the beauty of this transformed present, that we live in the already, but not yet. Like we're waiting for the future thing that's gonna be amazing, but right now, this language of being clothed with our heavenly dwelling, like Paul says, we're clothed with Christ himself when we're baptized into him in Galatians chapter three, verse 27. He also says that we're clothed with his nature. Colossians 3, verse 12, we're clothed with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. You see, our transformation begins now. Yes, there's a beautiful thing that's coming, but Jesus' intent God's gift for us is to experience the joy of that transformation that begins now. The already, but not yet. So this transformed perspective for a transformed present that launches us into a transformed purpose. Listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Drop down to verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, listen, should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. He's beginning to get to this transformed purpose and it begins by being compelled by the love of Christ with what we have received. Since we have received so much, we become people who now function differently. We're compelled to love others. Do you hear the language that he used? Since since we have this perspective, like we try to persuade others so they will have what we have. Christ's love compels us. It's so good that we can't not give it away. And in doing so, we don't live for ourselves but for him, which means we live for them. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Consider this for a second. Because of the gifts that we've been given, and quite honestly, those gifts being extended in the midst of our rebellion, 
we can live because of the grace of God in our lives and his spirit in us. We can live in a place that puts, positions our minds and our hearts with every person we encounter to see them through the eyes of Jesus rather than our own. To see them with the kind of value that he says that they have rather than what our judgments of them are. And Youth Wave, and as a dad, I would train our students and now my kids to do this. And I'd like to invite you to train yourself. I would actually take some students, I've taken my son to, to Starbucks and sat down and said, okay, just pick out somebody. Tell me who they are. Tell me what you think their story is. What are their values? What are their dreams? What are their hurts? Why do you think they, they do what they do? And we begin to see other people through a lens of grace and compassion because that's what we've received. Now here's some coaching in it. And I want you if, you, if you write anything down today, put it in your phone, like do, take, do this. To help us see other people through the eyes of Jesus, we need to commit to expect unbelievers to act like unbelievers. Like to not be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. Like that's who they are. They're just living out of their nature. So when they don't value what you value, don't be offended. Like really, don't be offended. They're just doing what they know. But with compassion and love and concern, when unbelievers act like unbelievers, realize that it is from deep ache and struggle and pain that causes those things. And we have the answer. We can able, we're able to ab absolutely engage with people who actually may want to do us harm with love and grace and compassion. Let's finish this text and send you with this purpose. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal 
through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So real quick, three observations about this transformed purpose that Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation, which means the service, the work of bringing people back into relationship with God. Helping people to no longer live a disconnected life from him, but a life of intimacy and love and grace and care with their father. Three observations. Number one, God is the driving force of this. It's his dream. It's his goal. There's nothing he wants more than this. Number two, it is, God acted through Christ and Christ alone. He is reconciling the world through Christ and bringing them home. And number three, and this is our point today, that God continues to act through those who have been reconciled. Like God's whole mission, his whole strategy of reconciling the world is to take those who have been reconciled and say, isn't it good? Go do that. And to hand off what we've been given. So here's the thing that I want to leave you with. The ministry of reconciliation requires more than us speaking the message of reconciliation. It absolutely, for sure, 100%, God is reconciling the world through Christ and Christ alone. It absolutely means that we speak the name of Jesus and we offer the hope and the grace and the freedom and the forgiveness that he provides but it demands that we become a people of reconciliation as well. How do we do that? I'll tell you a story about a friend of mine named Saul. from California. He showed up at church a little as a, as a young child and never stepped a foot in again when he left his home. Started living with his girlfriend when he was about 20. He's now about 31. They have three kids together. They've, they've never married. And things went sideways. And his wife wife, his girlfriend, his woman, took the kids and went back to California. His, his world had fallen apart. And he calls and just asks for help. Not knowing where to turn. We had a cup of coffees, a, a lunch, and all of a sudden he shows up in what we call community, a small group 
It's how we do life together, that journey. And those people in that community just loved him. Just loved him. Next thing I knew, he was showing up at, at a men's community called Forged. And those guys just loved him. They text him daily, check on him because his heart's breaking. Two weeks ago, I got to baptize him. I'll tell you another story. A guy named Jerry. He showed up at church once as a child. And when they did, it was a small enough church that they were obviously new and the, the pastor told them to stand up and introduce themselves and his dad was so offended they never went back and never went back to church. Jerry told me in my office many years later, he looked me in the eye and he said, I just always assumed I was going to hell so I might as well live like it. He did live like it. And he went through a terrible divorce. He was off and on with us in our worship gathering, but it was very cautious. And then the divorce happened and his ex-wife kept coming and he was told wrongly by her that he was not welcome and that we were telling stories about him. So we went to her house to help her move. And he stood in the, in the garage with his arms crossed and just watched. And I just went over and said hello to him. He turns to me and says, there's, there's two sides to every story, Landon. And I looked at him and I said, Jerry, we're not here to judge, man. I'm just here to love you trying to help your, your ex-wife. We loaded her up. About an hour later, I went over to him and I said, dude, if you ever want a coffee or a lunch, just call, man. I'd love to be available. He called two years later. He said, did you really mean that? He's like, yeah. It's like, oh, I think I need to talk. And that's when he told me the story of, I thought I was going to hell, so I might as well just live like it, but I need help. Next week, I get to baptize him. See, here's the thing. Because the Spirit of God is in us, because we have this transformed perspective. We live in a transformed present. We can function in a transformed purpose because his presence is in us. We can hand off what we've been given. And the way that he functions with our world is the model for us of how we function with the world around us. Here's a question. Who is God's forgiveness available 
two. The world. Right? God extends forgiveness freely while we were still sinners. We have the capacity to forgive even when people are in the wrong. Because the Spirit of God is in us and that's who He is. Forgiveness does not mean we accept and excuse their behavior. Forgiveness is best defined by wanting the best for that person. And quite honestly, that is freedom with God. That's what forgiveness is. Now here's the second follow-up question. Who, do, who is reconciliation with God offered to? It's offered to everyone. Not everyone accepts it because only those who are reconciled to God through Christ get to come home. See, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is wanting the best for someone and then being able to come back into reconnection because they've accepted what's been given. In order for us to live in a transformed purpose, we need to not only speak a transforming message, our lives have got to reflect the message we speak. So may we, as a people of God, become a people of reconciliation. May we offer grace and forgiveness as we've received it, both with our message and our lives. And may we live in a transformed purpose, a life immersed in the ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a hope that is truly hope. Make us look like your son. It's in Christ we pray. Amen.